By popular demand, we said we would revisit this evaluation framework. Um, uh, Andrew Bengry Howe worked with me on this very closely, but because we are short of time, I'm just going to present very quickly and not as fully as we have done before. But I would say that um, we've, been, we've started doing some workshops around this framework where we've gone into it in more depth and plan to do some more. Um, so, having been around quite a long time uh, during the AIM High Times, is this, is this working? It might not be. No, uh, I've turned it off now, that's no good. Right, I'll just, it's okay, I'll just do it on the phone. Uh, I, I want to, when we set up this um, seminar series, we were all really keen to make sure that this time we did a bit more about getting it right. And the signs were good because Heat Tracker looked as though that, that was going to be rolled out. Hefke were looking at frameworks, offers, been talking to you as well, haven't they? It seemed like it was worth looking at again. So we got going on this seminar series. Now, what... Um, I was particularly interested in was evaluating, evaluating activities and one of the things that I think was particularly lost is practitioners will say it made a difference but people who were evaluating will say well how can you prove it made a difference but somehow in their bones they knew it made a difference but there was no way of capturing that really. And as we've heard today, we've got a variety of audiences. One of my other questions I was going to ask Richard, which we might be able to come back to, is what would the Treasury see as evidence? Yeah? What really, what would prove it to them? Or maybe, maybe that's asking the wrong question. Anyway, I'll speed through this. Um, we started by looking at, out, at outreach activities. So this diagram doesn't quite work when it comes to looking at student success. But um, I was working from the perspective of Bourdieu and his theories of field and capital. So when I was picking up with you about capital, I think that that can be quite problematic. If you have form formulations of capital, such as that used by the new Labour government, where, um, which I thought was interesting that it happened at all, but it was seen as there was one sort of capital middle-class capital, as some theorists called it, which was good capital, and then everybody else's was bad capital. <laughs> Whereas Bourdieu has got much more complex thing and is situating capitals within a framework of power. So that's where I'm coming from. And using the concept of field. So when we were thinking about it, we put this little bit in the middle. So of where the activities actually happen. But of course, that's a tiny little aspect of what's going on. There's a whole university there. What's its culture like? What's it suggesting? A school, what's that like? What's the, where does the student come from? Which is some of the stuff that Sharon was reflecting. So we're looking at that. Andrew did this diagram. I, I was thinking whether to show it, but I thought I would because um, you know people seem to like it. And uh, it shows how your embedded choosers, those who expect to go to university, have a lovely strong bridge across the top, and those who have got a more complex journey. Now, if we think about Jacqueline's example, I don't think she had anything. I think she perhaps had a rope that she had to throw across, and perhaps Jacqueline caught it at the other side. Anyway, 
We need to, to develop, this is what we wanted to do, aims for interventions that were informed by theory and practice. Um, and content which reflects the aims, because one thing Andrew often reflects on is that the practitioners seem to be doing things. Everybody seems to be having a lot of fun, but they're not quite sure why they're doing it. And I found this as a manager myself, you know, the lower you get, Neil's nodding, the, the sort of lower you get down the scale of the people who are working with you, they're very enthusiastic and they, they get the badges right and things like that, but do they actually really, and then you sort of get what I call mission drift, because little activities creep in that haven't got any relevance to, you know, uh, anyway, those sorts of things happen. So it's very important that it really goes right through and that the evidence that you generate actually demonstrates an impact and importantly I think informs practice because it's the practitioners who are delivering the outreach activities they uh, they have a job it's quite risky this week we have no residential summer schools for which I'm grateful but I know some of my colleagues here looking at Laura she wasn't sure whether she was going to make it because <laughs> obviously her team are running this residential summer school but actually it's a long way away I better not say anymore otherwise she'll get up and get on the train <laughs> I can see so it's actually these activities are quite risky in themselves and it's, so it's not surprising that they focus on them and they're the ones who are faced with 90 year 10s or something like that and trying to, you know, make sure that they go away from the university having had a good time. Now, so this is just my bit about the capitals, which I won't report. So what we, what we came up with was an evaluation framework. Let me see if I can make this pointer thing work. It would be useful. Ah, oh, yes, okay. So... Using Bourdieu's formulation, used social and academic capital, which are pulled together, so networks and knowing your way around the university or the school or whatever, um, intellectual and subject capital, which I'll come back to, which is about um, knowledge and subjects. This one, which I made up, educational capital. Now, people are doing this. Uh, Louise Archer down at King's has been talking about science capital. She's been doing a big project around um, encouraging students to uh, take up science, what um, facilitates them, and she's used the term science capital. And then the issue around habitus and student identity. And we tried to do it so that it would be accessible our social sciences department love this, they really can see it, but the engineers get a bit flummoxed. So we put in some of these things like know, choose, become, practice and understand with the knowledge and the skills and the identity, you know, we can gloss over that with the engineers and the progression <laughs> curriculum. But it does mean that people can see that we have a framework, academic staff of various um, disciplines can understand that and they can see that there's something systematic about it. So here we broke this down because we felt there's something about knowing about things. You know, knowing is important. It's often um, not taken into account that you know that you have to have GCSE maths, for example. 
or that you know that you have to fill in a UCAS application or you know this. So that's important. And was in the early days of AIM Hire quite a, a large part of the work, I think, because that, there were a lot of people who really didn't know that, including teachers who hadn't been involved in schools that were progressing to higher education. But then there's something about choosing and navigating where there's a lot more about <coughs> the sense of agency and action there. You might know something, but how do, you, how do you make those choices? Who do you talk to? If, you have, if you're first in family, you can't just uh, sort of phone up your auntie or something like that and say, oh yes, um, didn't you study nursing? Or did you, or, you know, and they'll say, oh yeah. No, you don't have that recourse to people who can help you with that. And that framework, I'm just going to skip over the habitus one for the moment. Then this, you, Neil was talking about not many people were doing attainment raising. And I think that's very problematic. Um, what can a university realistically do when it comes to raising attainment? Now, when I moved to the University of Bath, which is very selective, the access agreement had been written um, following the introduction of the £9,000 fee. And one of the reasons that I was attracted to that particular job was because attainment raising activities had been already included in the access agreement. So I realised that um, the university at some point had moved along from this, which I do think is important. If it wasn't there, we'd be, and had actually started to think, well, we must grow the pool. We must actually start thinking about how we um, engage with schools to raise attainment. But what can you actually do? I mean, and we worked on this quite a bit, didn't we? And we're not, still not 100% um, clear about this when it comes to the later stage in the student life cycle. But certainly when it comes to outreach, we think it's about enhancing knowledge. And this seems to be, we're now at the point where we've been able to use the framework for some of our evaluations. So for example, we run a, a BTEC, um, it's called On Track to Bath BTEC. And this is for students taking BTECs, and the big issue, doesn't really matter which degree they go into at Bath, is maths. They just haven't got the maths they need. So a lot of it's focused around maths, and we just had the um, residential summer school for them. And they're saying things, and we worked quite hard, uh, sports, computer science and engineering were the three areas, in developing maths-related activities linked with their curriculum and what was going on in the university. So the feedback we were getting were things like, um, now we understand why we have to do the maths. Or I didn't think, I didn't see why maths was important for sports science. Um, we, had, we had one of our outreach managers running up and down in the sports hall. He, he said, you know, the, the student ambassadors who were 20 years younger were being very, very patronising. Mm -hmm. But um, because what they were doing was, of course, all the sorts of measurements that you have to do um, in sports science. So it really related. And I think that that is perhaps what's the difference. If you have a family where you sort of understand it's in the culture, that, that you might not be studying it at home, but you'd begin to understand the relevance. 
then it's easier to see why you have to get down and work at these things. If you can't see the relevance, then it's harder. Now, in terms of skills and knowledge, we had these um, together and apart more times than I could uh, like to say. And finally, we decided to separate out skills, not partly because of those things, which became clearer, but working with our mature students, because it was obvious that they really lacked basic skills that would enable them to do well in higher education. Because they were coming in on access courses, they'd only had about, well, under a year, it's what, eight months or something, to develop their essay writing, note-taking skills. They didn't have lectures, they didn't know how to make the most of a lecture. So when we looked at that, we decided, yes, we would pull out the skills as something separate to knowledge. Then the other area was around habitus. And this is where, you know, I was talking about the practitioners and they would say, yes, the activity went well. And you could tell they felt in their bones it went well. But then when you said, well, did it make a difference? Not everybody was lucky enough to have the heat tracker, which is helping, of course. Now you've got some data to show for it. They knew it went well, but they weren't able to capture what it was. Now, I think this is where we've learned a great deal from the academic and theoretical research that's been done in the field of widening participation. Um, people like Diane Ray, Jill Crozier and so on have been talking about the importance of fitting in. Uh, people have been looking at um, student identities and what we, what we can read from that is that the experience of being in a university or at the whole process of applying for education is incredibly challenging and that's what the practitioners were picking up they were picking up some of the things that you were saying Jacqueline about working with young people or, or mature students hearing their stories and knowing how transformative things could be. When you were talking, the first thing that struck me in my early days as a, as a WP manager, and that was in South London, we had a group of year 10s in, all was going well, and then they went very quiet. Anyway, we're chatting to them, and uh, it, was, it was around finance, and we were saying, well, you know, it's not too bad, you know, you can get grants and things like that, and they were all shaking their heads. And then one girl said, well, the thing is, it would be our mums and dads, you know, because if we wanted to go to university and we weren't going out to work, our mums and dads would just have to work harder. They'd have, my dad would have to do more shifts. And I thought, you know, this wasn't, you know, 1902, this was 2002. And it really brought it home to me what they were, you know, the, the extent of their issues. I, I knew, I mean, obviously we knew finance was an issue, but for such a young age of student, I, it made us realise, you know, how those families were struggling. I would expect that perhaps from a 17 or 18 year old who was thinking about it very realistically, but such a young age. Um, so thinking about this, now, how do we avoid, though, getting into a deficit model? And Andrew and I talked about this a lot. And we decided that one of the things that also happens and is unspoken, 
and therefore immeasurable because if all that's happening with all these events and activities and we're not defining what the issue is we cannot measure it and we cannot it's back to people saying well they had a great time I know it makes a difference which isn't quite good enough how do we avoid getting into a deficit model and we felt that the issue of resilience was there because that's another thing that's unspoken in this work because what we're saying is well yes um, some of the students might be quite posh but actually not everybody's quite posh and actually do you really care? I mean, people don't say that blatantly, but a lot of those activities do actually encompass that. Yes, you can fit in. Yes, you can meet here. And when, in very often the uh, feedback you, we used to get was, oh, it was really nice to meet the student ambassadors because that shows they're not all rich and posh. I.e., they could be, that could be me. Now that's really important, the practitioners knew that was really important, but if you've got no theoretical framework within which to say why it's important, then you can't measure it. So what we were trying to do with this was to um, give us that possibility and ask the sorts of questions that um, would allow us to, to prove it in a sense. Now, I don't know whether this would work with the Treasury, Richard, but, you know, at least there's a framework. Also, knowing, though, that we would, uh, we would, uh, we would also link this with the heat data. Yeah? The other thing that's important is the reflexivity. So, um, Jacqueline was talking about that, how she thinks about her own practice. I was alluding to it in terms of the practitioners, the people, well they have to think about it in that sense. Parents, school teachers, but university staff themselves, I think that's an incredibly important element. Because there's all sorts of discourses going on, well we can't make any difference, it's the job of the schools, um, what can we do, um, if they haven't got the right qualifications, well you know, then obviously they're going to fail, those sorts of things. Um, whereas the framework actually gives us a way, to, when we were, we, we just started a couple of weeks time, we're going to do a year 12 residential summer school in the social sciences. And so that was an easy one with the framework because they quickly got all the capitals. But what they also got um, we sent them away to do lesson plans, actually, because, you know, they do session plans. And they were relating those back to the framework. So we were thrilled to bits. I mean, as I say, that's an easy win with the um, Faculty of Social Policy. But, in a sense, that builds our institutional understandings and capacities about what we can do and what is possible because um, we've got some great scientists, I was, t I was going on about the engineers earlier, but we've got some great engineers and scientists who are engaging with all this work. And this gives them um, a real framework within which to put their activities. So when we ask them to do things which are not just giving a talk about um, the um, science courses on offer at the university, but actually to give them a, a lecture, they think, well, why should I do that? 
we're now able to point back to the framework and say, well, this is what the research has told us. This is where we think you as an academic can make a difference because actually we could get somebody in from admissions to talk about what courses are on offer. Here, it's about your subject and where that fits in making a difference. So we're bringing in that reflexivity into the framework. Um, I'm going to stop soon because of time. But we've all, what we'll try to do with our activities, we've got our high intensity and low intensity. So we're, going, we're matching those with the heat tracker as much as we can. But we'll do much more of an intense um, evaluation of these high intensity activities that run a bit through the student life cycle. So year six, we've, it's mainly around um, finding out about university. It can be subject related. The futures days, we have sort of see these as intervention points. That's what we call them. This is about option choice. So that's quite um, well uh, evaluated. Getting right up to here, where we'll be talking, this one is a programme where we have the six formers coming in regularly, where we actually engage with their mums and dads and their teachers and so on uh, in a range of ways, including um, qualitative data. So that's where we are at the moment. Um, I'm not going to, in fact, I'll just not do any more of that. So we've got a chance a bit to talk. Let's get back to that framework there. Um, RI, yes, you could put these copies around. We've moved on a bit now from not just looking at outreach, we're moving on to student success and um, employability, graduate outcomes. And we're set, we've got, had quite a lot of interest from colleagues around and about and who are applying the framework, and there's a couple of people here. So what, we know it can't be perfect, although we, we'd like to think so because we worked quite hard on it, but we know it can't be perfect. What we need to do now is to test it out in a range of contexts. So we're working with some other universities who are using it to evaluate some of their activities and that's something we're just starting. So perhaps in a year or so's time we can see how the framework is going. But for me the most important thing is to try to bring in something that will give us meaningful, um, meaningful data and information on the ground to improve our practice and make us a sort of reflexive institution so we can change our culture. That will give us something that we can send into offer and HEFGE um, and so that we can, you know, actually send this in to enhance our evaluation that will link in with um, the heat tracker data that we're going to get, but also, I believe, could potentially uh, inform theory. If we start from a basis of having a clear theoretical framework, then we're actually moving into the realm of praxis, I would like to think, so that I would be hoping to um, that we would be able to report back, okay, you know, we've used this framework, we've used this theoretical framework, we've tested it out in practice, and this is where we've, where we've come out. So I know that's ambitious, but um, I think it's about time we've been doing this for, uh, Sharon's nodding, uh, you've decided to be a bit more ambitious as well, I know, because we've all been doing this, or some of us have been doing this for a very long time and come up with issues where we're not able to um, demonstrate that impact. 
And if we aren't able to do that very soon, and I know Richard won't be able to comment on this, um, then my feeling is that questions, big questions will be made about the, the funding that we are able to use in order to continue with these activities. So I think it really is critical that we take uh, research and evaluation in this area very seriously. So thank you very much. Mm -hmm.